0: Hey everyone, I'm Hannah. I'm a PhD student at Berkeley, and this is my first podcast. I'm excited to be joining the What Are You Talking About team. And I'm especially excited to be here with seasoned podcaster, Joe, who's teaching me the reins. So I hope you guys enjoy the podcast. This may come as a surprise to you, but we environmental engineers, we're not always studying water in the lab. We do occasionally get together to have some fun, talking to each other about studying water. (laughs)
1: So today on What Are You Talking About, we decided to do something a little different. I ruined a perfectly good social gathering by bringing a microphone to an engineering party and asking researchers to tell me what they really wish we could do with water. Stay with us.
2: People try to put us today Talking about my generation. Just because we
3: get
0: around. Now, it wasn't just American students at this party. We also hosted some researchers from a sister research center called Stream in Britain. Joe asked Dom about his dreams for his research, and then things got pretty weird.
2: I'm doing my research on hydroecology, the impact of in-stream structures and removing them.
1: If you could remove one structure from any body of water,
2: which would it be? Uh, the weir that I'm looking at specifically in the Lake District, I think they should go ahead and remove it. Who owns that weir? United Utilities, the water company that provides water for the whole of the northwest of England.
1: United Utilities, you're on notice. Your weir,
2: it's killing us. It's-, <laughs> it's actually not. It's been in place for about 150 years and they don't know if it's going to have a negative impact or not. Well, then why would you pick that one as the one to remove? Because it came the first of my mind. If, <laughs> if, if I knew the names of some specific dams, okay, the Three Gorges Dam in China. Three that's, right. China,
1: the government of China, if you're listening, that's take that dam down. That's better. And yeah. there's
2: a few in the Amazon that I'm oh pretty sure gosh. need removing.
1: Okay, so Brazil yeah. and China. Brazil, yeah. and, China. Brazil yeah. and China. Brazil and China, you're on notice. All right.
0: So his name is Dom, and he studies dams.
1: Yeah, that's actually hilarious. I did not realize that at the time, (laughs) but that's really funny.
0: And is this how the whole party went?
1: Oh yeah, I was tons of fun during this party. But in all seriousness, I I did get better. Uh, One way to break the ice with foreigners, always, is to compare your country's ways of doing things. Except because we're nerds at this party, me and Talia compared municipal water systems. So I know one thing is that like the British water system is generally privatized, right? Whereas the American water system is generally public. What do you think, public or private water?
4: Um, I think the Welsh system is good because it's privatized, but it's
0: not for profit.
1: So, So that worked well. Full disclosure, you are Welsh, correct? Yes, yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> yes, so, so.
4: but I think, I think a not-for-profit
1: system so, works quite well. So so screw England and America, let's all just have Welsh water.
0: Then. Or Scottish, because they're, they're public, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Scottish, okay.
1: yeah. So, you know, one thing that struck me in talking to the Brits was that in Renew It, we think a lot about moving from enormous treatment plants to decentralised, nimble water systems. But Fran pointed out that to British eyes, we already have incredibly decentralized infrastructure in the U.S. Uh, what do you guys, What's your impression of American water systems as compared to British water systems?
0: I know drinking water; it's more individual boreholes. I've got the impression, so I guess it's more small scale. Um, then obviously, America's so much larger than the U.K. I imagine you get. D- like such different water qualities that you'll have to treat it really differently. But I think I need to learn from you guys what it is, <laughs> yeah. more about it. I guess it is true that a lot more homes are on private wells in the US than the UK.
1: And we do spend a lot of time thinking about the motivations for moving towards these hyper-local systems. And one of those is recycling water.
0: Yeah, you have to spend a lot less money moving water back and forth if you just always keep it nearby. We talked to John and Rachel, who had some out-there ideas for how to recycle water more easily.
3: Flawless DPR without uh, reverse osmosis. But it has to be perfect.
0: He got a little jargony there, so let's translate. John wants DPR. That's direct potable reuse. Recycled water so clean you can drink it. And he wants it without reverse osmosis.
1: Now, reverse osmosis is when you push water through an extremely fine filter. So fine that basically only water molecules can get through.
0: And that's great for making clean water. But because even the dissolved salt can't get through, a ton of salt that was in the water gets left over.
1: And that's one thing that Rachel would like to change.
0: Sort of along the same lines, but like... Removing salts instantaneously without a membrane. Just mi- microbial so like, removal of salts or oh, micro- oh. Micro- microbial or plant removal of salts. So Rachel's worried about this because it's super challenging to get rid of all the salt. Along the coast, you may be able to dump it in the ocean, but if you're inland, you're S-O-L.
1: Now, Dan, Dan was less worried about such practical consequences from recycled water. He just wanted to talk about beer.
0: All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> He explained how the future of water can make a big difference in how your next cerveza sizzles.
4: If there were ever a brewery opened that were using desalinated seawater, for instance, or recycled wastewater where the product is RO permeate, then you could kind of like build up the salt profile from scratch. Uh, and so you could kind of tailor it to make whatever kind of salt profile you wanted to like to, to represent, for instance, like like English bitters in certain parts of England have their distinctive taste because the extremely high sulfate concentration in the beers. And the sulfate is something like 800 milligrams per liter. And so American breweries that try to emulate this artificially add something like sodium sulfate. It's actually kind of an exciting opportunity that, I don't know, if you were in San Diego, you could build your water from scratch.
1: I should add that some utilities are actually promoting recycled water for brewing using brewing competitions where craft brewers start with recycled water. They're calling it, and I'm not making this up, poo to brew.
0: Yeah, that's hilarious. Um, And some folks had really radical ideas that would totally transform our water systems.
1: Yeah, Yalin basically wanted to turn our wastewater treatment systems into power plants. So how much energy are we wasting by not extracting it out of our wastewater? So actually energy and nutrients in the wastewater actually can cover all the energies we need to like treat those kind of wastewater. But now we're like actually not doing anything. So we could have energy-positive wastewater. Yeah, energy-positive, definitely. Okay. Mm -hmm. So what what do we need to do to make that happen? Well, there's, like, one part is we can, like, actually use the, like, wastewater culture, like, algae. That's one part. Another part, uh, so there's some, like, to change those um, carbon in the wastewater into, like, the methane or other, like, energy sources. Okay. And what is your favorite way to use water? To use water? Yeah. Well, I say make snow and then we can, can skiing or snowboarding. Right. I like it. I like uh, it. Make snow and then go skiing and snowboarding. All right.
0: I will say that Yalan had a relatively optimistic take on this. Lisa and Dom just wish they could change other people. <laughs>
4: well, I really hate like when people take
0: long showers
4: and like when people just let the showers run so there are people that like, well, of someone that I live with that goes into the bathroom And we'll just like have the shower running while it's heating up, but forgets how long it's on for, so that.
2: Are you calling out your roommate right now, Lisa? Yeah, Yeah, I I am. am. Inefficient usage, because I think it's insane that we're not doing more to actually use it as a valuable resource and recycle it or use it more efficiently. Why? Why would we not invest more and like think a bit more about how we use water? Okay, so I have to say that some of this complaining is justified.
1: And I also think that some of it is the time-honored tradition when hanging out with your coworkers, right? You gotta complain about how little money and respect your industry gets. But Zach Stoll, co-founder of this podcast, good friend of mine, God bless him, immediately started in with this kind of a complaint. Public perception. People would pay a
3: lot more for water. Okay. I think that would solve a lot to start with. Include the acquisition of new water rights into the price of water as well, along with other things.
0: Yeah, I don't think there's a profession around that thinks they get enough respect. But what Zach was talking about is an especially acute phenomenon. People don't value public water very highly.
1: And Lisa explained that it might not be a lack of value so much as just a lack of awareness.
0: So I think
4: that people don't understand the value of water. They, they take it for granted, and I think that it would be important to maybe put more tools around houses or in different public buildings that showed you sort of the amount of water you were using. I just think that people aren't really aware of how much water they're using, so maybe some tools that could go around, places where people use water, and it would make them more aware.
0: And for the record, she walks the talk.
1: What are you holding in your hand right now?
4: A bottle of water.
1: Did you get that water out of a sink, or did you...
0: Yeah, I got it out of the sink.
1: And it's just as good as bottled water?
0: Yeah. The question of bottled water shows that privately bottled water has become preferred in many places, despite perfectly good tap water from public water systems. And this is important because which commodities we value has financial implications for our ability to deliver clean water in the future. In fact, people got really animated when we started talking about water pricing. Yeah, I mean, mean, we we know that doesn't make economic sense, but...
3: (laughs) Well, I think this gets into the question of how, or what is the value of water? Is it, is it an economic thing? Um, some of the people I've been talking to are saying there's a lot of non-economic value. There's non-market value to water. Like, So if you think about the West, right? You're going out and you're a cowboy and you want to start a ranch somewhere and you're going to live on there and you're going to make a lifestyle. Because that
1: happens all the time. Because that, that,
3: that happens all the time. You look at Los Angeles, we're going to build a city, right? You know, And it's just like, there's a lot of these non-market drivers that push people to do stuff and then the price of water doesn't necessarily reflect that. Well,
1: right. that's okay. See, I'm gonna push back here though because water is not a commodity. We price it like a commodity to encourage conservation because we don't want people to waste a lot of water. But water is a public service, so we should think of it as a public service that we as a society provide to people because clean water should be a right. But
0: it's also not really priced like a commodity. If it was priced like a commodity, we would pay a lot more for well, it than we sure, do. Sure, sure, sure. It's yeah. like somewhere, it's, probably, it's priced it's,
1: it is a public service. Right,
0: it's, right. it's priced think. somewhere in between and it's not treated like either, and that's where the problematic issues come up because you you're not treating it as a public service and you're not treating it as a commodity and so you don't know what the to
1: do <laughs> and,
3: and it is i mean if you don't want to think of it as a commodity it is still uh, certainly an economic resource because without water a lot of industrial processes aren't going to happen so it is a huge part of the economy so then so then you have to think of well if it's going to be like a commercial or industrial product like there's going to have to be a price otherwise there's going to be zero conservation An example is in Albuquerque. There's an Intel facility there, right? And they have about 2,000 people that they employ, and they contribute somewhere in the neighborhood of like 25 to 35 percent of the GDP in Albuquerque, right? But if you and they use maybe what 0.1 percent of the water there. Uh, If you look at agriculture, they use 70 percent, 85 percent of the water, and they contribute to less than 3 percent of the GDP. So where are we putting the value of water there? You know. And it's kind of a mixed signal I think we're sending to people where it's just like, yes, water has a certain price, but not necessarily this consistent value. It's, it's interesting.
0: Damn, Joe, you got pretty fired up there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it is kind of hilarious how fired up we got talking about that there. But let me put it this way so that it, it kind of makes sense. Gasoline costs about $3 per gallon. The mediocre wine I was drinking while recording that interview cost about $50 per gallon. Tap water costs $0.03 per gallon. If we could charge for water, which is essential to life, even close to what we charge for more frivolous liquids, we could solve our crumbling infrastructure problems in no time.
0: This episode of What Are You Talking About? was produced by me, Hannah Greenwald.
1: And me, Joe Charbonnet, with help from Skylar Herzog, Scott Miller, Chelsea Panos, and Chris Olivares. A huge thanks to everyone who let me interview them at this party. This podcast was produced in association with It, the NSF's engineering research center for reinventing the nation's urban water infrastructure. Check that out at RenewIt.org. This is What Are You Talking About? Stay wet, everyone.
3: Speaking
0: of alcohol, <laughs> <laughs>
2: okay, shower beer is you know you've been drinking a little too much the night before. You wake up, you need to refresh yourself. Open an ice cold one while cold water runs over your body. It's very nice, refreshing. Cold
4: water or warm water
2: and cold beer? No, no, you need cold, cold because you're you're hungover. So if you do warm water, it's not good for the soul, you know. So you gotta go cold water. Shower so you have beer. It could
4: be hungover. It
2: could be kind of good gaming. It could. I guess I haven't. Daddy. I mean, hot water and then beers just doesn't make sense right here. I mean,
4: what are you doing? Uh, so you're getting ready, you're taking a shower, and you're drinking a cold beer.
1: Scott, when was the last time that you had a shower beer? Uh, oh, I think five days ago. Oh, wow. Does the concept of a shower beer exist
2: across the pond? Um, it's not something I'm familiar with, but I can understand the concept. Okay. I would assume it's best in hot weather, and we don't get that that often in the UK. Mm. But if it's really hot, why not? Oh. Glass in a shower could be quite hazardous if it fell and shattered. You wouldn't want that because then you've got to clean it up and you might cut your feet in the process.
1: You don't want some sort of like a Die Hard movie playing out with with your shower beer. Definitely not.